Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Straight off to our Oilers Now headliner at 1233. Our headliner brought to you daily by Touchback Safety from fall protection to forklift trading. Trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. Again, uh, lots of reports over the last couple days about the Quebec League and the Ontario League. Quebec League, a 15-minute penalty for fighting. Ontario League looking at eliminating fighting if they're able to return uh, to play here coming out of this COVID world. Um we're gonna this is truculent thursday i personally am a believer that there needs to be an outlet there that it helps police the game let's get to a guy who did it for a living and who played close to 400 games in the nhl and one of the toughest players in ohl history we welcome back to the show louis debras louis how are you doing doing good bob how are you doing today good uh you know, we're moving a certain way in society. Are we headed down to the inevitable place where you think fighting will basically be outlawed the way it is in university hockey, where if you fight, you're, you're, you're tossed out and then you get a suspension? What do you think? Yeah, you know, we've talked about this at length over the years, and there's no question as to the direction the game is going. But I, I, like you, feel that it's really hard to completely take that out of the pro game. And I consider, well, as do U.S. colleges, consider junior hockey to be pro hockey. So um, I just think you have to have the ability to vent. You have to have the ability to settle scores. And you have to have the ability to let off some steam from time to time. I have no problem, though, Bob, with putting limits on fights throughout the year. Um, and also maybe a little bit more. You said it's 15 minutes potentially for a, for a fighting major, a 10-minute misconduct, and a 5-minute. Listen, if, it, if it's something that pushes you to that point, I think you would readily still take that extra 10-minute misconduct uh, to engage with somebody, but it certainly will knock it down to unnecessary fights. And what I mean by that is just, you know, again, going out like I did off the face-off, tapping someone at the time it was necessary, at the time that was the game, but that's not the game anymore. And, uh, yeah, you know, listen, it's it's a touchy subject. I understand that. I still believe there's a place for it in the game. I think that it's a physical game, and you have to keep that element there. And you also have to keep the guys we like to call the rats honest. Let's be, let's be, let's be serious here. I mean, there's yep. people that when they know they don't have to fight, they're 10 inches taller, they run around, and they just agitate and push buttons and make people boil over. So I think I would rather have somebody drop the gloves and, you know, have a little fisticuff where the percentages of injuries are pretty small rather than somebody use their stick to settle that score or hit someone from behind to settle that score or run somebody and take a headshot. I just think that it's an, it's an outlet still to be able to even that score when available. All right. You can text us on our Ashley Five Floors text line, 780-496-0068. Louie, I'm 100% with you. I remember Bob McCowan. Uh, Rob Dom was head coach of the Alberta Golden Bears, and he said they needed to put fighting back in university hockey because Rob had a team, Rob had a team that 
that would blow teams out seven or eight two every game, and the last half of the game would be a chop fest when they'd play certain, uh, even good teams. Saskatchewan had a good team. They were very undisciplined at times against Alberta when the scores, when games got out of control. And we're not talking fighting. We're talking, you know, what was going on. It was, uh, there was shrapnel all over the ice and broken sticks and cheap stuff. And I'm sure it was both ways at times in terms of the beaking. But uh, that's that to me, like they eliminated fighting in the university game in the early 1980s. And when I started doing Golden Bears games, and, and, and I watched games in the 70s and stuff, but when I started doing play-by-play of Golden Bears in 89, the biggest thing that it was super physical tons of hits but the stick work was unbelievable and it was a and it was a bunch of five foot ten five foot eleven players many of whom had skill but they were very brave because that outlet was not there it was not a viable option you know what i'm saying you know about yeah, we've talked about this, and you and I went to a Golden Bears game this year, and I watched it. It was Calgary versus Edmonton, and there was a lot of chippiness after whistles, a lot of chatting, a lot of jawing, a lot of cheap shots, pushing. I mean, nothing extraordinary and crazy, but I just think it really minimizes that when you know that there's the next step that can happen. When you know that next step is not going to happen, it just allows you to kind of get away with a lot of that. And I just I don't like that kind of hockey. I don't like that chippy verbal stuff where people aren't really doing anything a lot of talking but not whole not a whole lot of action i just for me i've never liked that um i like the intensity of the game i like the physicality when tempers boil over i've always liked the fact that two tough guys are two guys that don't even fight that often if they want to settle the score you know we saw ryan nugent hopkins and sean monahan fight this year and i think it was one of the more exciting fights i saw all year because it was two guys that was just that were just completely raw. They're guys that don't typically do that, but that goes to show you how invested they were in that game, the intensity, how high it was, and nobody got hurt. There was no injuries after that. I mean, they both got up, dusted themselves off, and I think got a pretty good ovation from the crowd, and everybody on their respective benches gave them a pretty good tap. I'm not going to sit here for one second, though, Bob, and say that I don't understand the research and the knowledge we have now of head injuries obviously is leading to them looking at different ways to try and eliminate this because of the potential risk. I get that. But if you ask every single player to a man, which they've done over the years, the percentages of players that want fighting still in the game is astronomical. I think it was Nikita Kucherov that talked about it at one time, if I'm not mistaken, a star player that just won the Stanley Cup. And he said, listen, I like the fact that I know I have guys in my lineup that are going to step up and battle for me if, it's, if push starts to come to shove and I need a little bit more room. That's the whole reason this role came about in the first place, and it's going to be very hard to eliminate that because players like to protect each other. It's just a real team sport. When they see somebody get hit hard, slash, something bad happened to them, they want to even the score. That's exactly what they want to do. Well, Louie, it's interesting. Uh, I lack the speed, talent, agility, coordination, toughness, all those sort of things. They even got close to the level you did. But I played at a decent level growing up. And uh, occasionally I said things I wished I hadn't said on the ice. And a couple times I got my ass kicked for it. And frankly, I deserved it. And I, 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 I will t- I'll tell you right now, I, like the, you, you brought up something in terms of the verbiage. 
How many times have you seen me go at Gene Principe? I like Zinedine Zidane as a player, the, the great French star in the two. Th- I mean, it's one of the most infamous moments in World Cup history, okay? <laughs> the headbutt. The headbutt. And you yeah, know what? Yeah. I'm like, you know, that guy, and let's not forget, he scored two goals when they won the 98 World Cup. Yes, he lost his cool, and, but if ever you're going to go out, that was the ultimate, and, and, I, and I give it to Gene all the time, is Italy really going to take winning the World Cup that way because you had a guy lip off another player about his sister? Really? Are you going to take that? Like, uh, uh, frankly, if ever there was a time that it was, I kind of get why he turned around and headbutted him. I like we've, and I know we've joked about it, but it's you know where I'm going here. I just, at t- and here's the thing. I like small competitive players, and I think that they're. I actually think those are the players that you can find the greatest bargain with in the market in the nhl draft i know guys that have done this for nhl organizations okay and uh i'll give you you know i'll give you an example like you know my feelings on brendan gallagher you knew you knew my feelings on Derek dorsett and chris russell those guys were competitive players you know when we were flying back in the fall i wanted yamamoto up here earlier because those guys have to they have to compete and think their way around the ice and if they've got the drive and they play big, that's where you find the play. So I don't want people thinking I'm I, – I actually think, even in this year's draft, I like a guy named Seth Jarvis. He's going to be a huge – whoever gets him, look at Braden Point and what he did in the stand. So you know where I'm going with this, Louie? There's lots of players for – lots of plays for small competitive players. You know what I mean? And it's I'm not trying to – I just want a little degree of accountability on the ice specific to the Rats. I agree. You know what, listen, I, and I know this will be a hotly debated topic just because of what it does, but I, here's the thing. The biggest complaint that I hear when I talk to fans around the league when I'm talking to fans is they don't like the fact that it's not as physical. It's not as robust. There isn't that energy and intensity to to have those battles. I love the skill level in the game. I think, well, obviously it's the best it's ever been. It's the fastest, most skilled. These players coming up now are tremendous. Just incredible. They really are. It's it's been so amazing to watch how they've been able to adapt and just continue, it seems, to get faster and better. And you and I talk about it all the time. There's, it's, it's super exciting for us. I love that. But when it's a pond hockey game, it's just not the same. When it's a little bit more robust, when it's a little bit more physical, and there's a little bit of that animosity and that resentment towards one another, and yes, when there's the odd fist of cuffs that happens, I just think that makes it a great hockey game. I really do. Now, call me old school. That's fine. I don't mind that. I'm fine with that. Um, I have a kid that plays in the league, and I tell you what, I talk to him all the time, and I still think that that's a part of his game, too. If he's going to get pushed around and chopped and hacked and whacked to try and score goals, which that's what his job is to do in the National Hockey League, every once in a while you're going to have to push back to make sure that guys don't take too many liberties on you because you'll just get hurt. And I think that's just part of survival. It is a league of survival. It's not easy out there. Um, that's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. If they do take it out of the game, listen, the game is still going to be great, but I think it'll be missing something. Yeah, you know what we missed over the course of the uh, return to play, Louis? We missed the fans. We missed the intensity yeah. that the fans, yep. I mean, they're a huge, ineffective guy. Like, I'm telling you right now, Zach Cassian plays better because of fans. He's a guy that gets energy from it. We miss the fans. You know what I'm saying, Lou? Oh, I hear you, bud. I tell you, I was in that building for 45 games, and, you know, it was the hockey was fantastic. I thought the players did a tremendous job. But I, the one thing that for me that I would think about is 
Number one, the fans are missing some tremendous hockey, and obviously at a time when it's the most important games of the season. It's just what everybody wants to watch. I'm glad they got to watch it at home. I'm glad they got to take in the playoffs, and I'm so happy they were able to pull it off with the way they were um, effectively, safely, and a Stanley Cup was named in the Tampa Bay Lightning. But on the flip side of that, too, I just I think of all those young players in their first playoff experience that never got to experience the fans. They never got to experience how loud a building gets, how crazy the fans get. Um, I, it's really hard to describe. I just tell you, the first time that I stepped out on the ice with the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs, it was like they went from, you know, Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. It was, it was incredible how they just morphed into these crazy fans that now it's all business and all go and it's something that every single fan and every single player should experience in their life, and I really do truly hope that we can get things back on track in this world so that that can happen and people can experience that because it's one of the greater things in our game. It really is if it's not the best. All right, Louie, i got to get to a tweet that Darren Dreger from TSN has just put out, one of the most plugged-in guys in the business. Things are believed to be intensifying in Arizona on the OEL front. However, unless something changes, the Oilers have been told they're not on the short list of teams, OEL will waive his trade protection to go to unless something changes. So, theoretically, I mean, I, I got to tell you, the, the the rumored request for OEL was at least a first-round pick and a high-end prospect like a Bouchard. To me, that would be problematic. Um, now, Dave Tippett and Jim Playfair both coached OEL for a number of years, yep. and I wonder if that's the unless something changes part. But again, Darren Dreger's tweet, he's as plugged in as anybody. Things are believed to be intensifying in Arizona on the OEL front. However, unless something changes, the owners have been told they're not on the short list of teams OEL would waive his trade protection to go to. Uh, I got a lot of time for a guy named Tyson Berry, just for the record. I think that that might be a guy... Um, you know what? That might be a guy that might make a lot of sense. You don't give up any assets for. Give me your take on what, especially in light of the news on Clefbaum, that we're not sure in his status next year. How would you approach things? Uh, good question. I have no problem with Tyson Berry. You know what? I, You and I have talked about him at length as well, and I just think he's, you know, and I think he competes harder than give him credit for, people give him credit for. I think he's a skilled talent, no question, on this power play in Edmonton. Of course, he would be fantastic. I think it was a tough time in Toronto for him. I just don't think it ever really took off. But we've seen that before with players. Sometimes you get into a situation where it just doesn't mesh for you and you just don't have that success with that respective organization. But um, it's interesting. There's some names out there, and I think that uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, OEL, I think, obviously, they're shopping him around. People are asking, rightfully so, because he's one of the elite defensemen in the league. And uh, you know what? There'll be a lot of people that'll be knocking on that door to, to kick tires and see if maybe he can potentially be on their organization. So we'll just have to wait and see. I think there's going to be a lot. I do think for some reason, which we say every year, but I think this year is a little different. I am with you. Movement this year. There's going to be some movement this year. There's going to be some shuffling of the decks and uh, we're going to sit back and watch it. You know where I could see a landing spot for Oliver Ekman Larson, Louie? Something near, something near and dear to your heart right now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like they're at odds with Tory Krug, so it doesn't seem like that's getting done necessarily. But that could change too. You never know, yep. right? Yeah. I mean, listen, you have to understand that we're at the the infancy of this right now, starting to talk, and free agency will take its course. And you know what? 
people will make decisions. And then where the dominoes fall, all of a sudden maybe that contract looks okay that didn't look okay before. But um, the, only the players can make those decisions, Bob, especially the ones that have earned unrestricted free agency. And Corey Krug's in that position right now. But, yeah, I, I think that a guy like Oliver Ekman Larson would certainly be a player that could uh, step in there and fill that void. Two very offensive defensemen that can quarterback a power play easily. Um, they'll be interested in both of those defensemen for sure. Final question, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Frank Cervelli reporting today, ongoing discussions. Uh, you know, maybe if you're in Nugent's camp, you think that Matt Duchesne's contract eight times eight years makes sense. Maybe if you're in the Oilers' camp, you look at Braden Shen six and a half million times eight years. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch, Louis, because Ryan's an important player in the Oilers' organization. Well, he's the you know third best forward for sure. And very versatile. You know, he's a guy that's shown that he can play up and down. He can play center. He can play with a lot of different people. Can produce offensively with McDavid and Dreisaitl both. Uh, that's a that's a pretty versatile guy to have in your lineup. And you can always slip him back to center, which he can just at ease slip right back in there. I think, honestly, out of the start of his career, probably had the most ease with the center position than all three of those players. Um so he's, I just think he's a valuable asset. I think he's one of those guys that, you know what I feel about Nuge. I just think he's one of those guys that you're going to look to try and replace that player. Good luck. He's done, he's done a lot to build himself up to the player that he is now in the National Hockey League. Um, he's going to get paid, and rightfully so, but it'll be interesting to see how that comes through, but I'm sure they'll get it done. Louie, the fans love you. The text that we're getting in, you're a popular guest on this show. Let me tell you. Thanks for doing it. Get back to get back to doing what you're doing. And we know you, uh, you, 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 you made some. You made the earth move to uh, to buy some time with us. Much appreciated. Take care. Say hi to hey. Jake for me. Okay. Absolutely, Bob. Take care, bud. You bet. Twelve fifty in Edmonton, Texas, and we're gonna. That's where we're gonna go next on our Ashley Fine Floors text line when we return on Oilers Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. 1252 in Edmonton, Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. It's Edmonton owned and operated, and it's open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. Uh, we are going to go to the injury report for James H. Brown injury lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang at James H. Brown want you to stay safe and stay positive. And, uh, what do you got, Brendan? Well, Julian Breezebois said that uh, Steven Stamko suffered a compensation injury while rehabbing from core muscle surgery, and that's what held him out for all but two minutes and 47 seconds of playoff action. He is, however, expected to be ready for the start of next year. Okay, KDK has texted the show. Brendan's going to jump on the text here with us as well. Uh, KDK says, Bob, the Boston Bruins are an ideal example of a team that doesn't need high-end picks to win. Boston consistently trade top picks to add talent and develop great prospect regardless of pick level because they've got uh, top-tier uh, leaders uh, that lead by example. The Oilers have leaders at forward but need to add a top-tier player on the defense to become a true contender. The Oilers currently don't have anybody who could uh, bring uh, their defense to another level. Well, I, I think that you could argue that. I mean, I, I think Edmonton's got some pieces coming that might get there. The question is, and I know Ryan Rashog referenced this from TSN, can you wait for 
the you know 19 year old Broberg and 20 year old Bouchard to become the D that they're going to be at 23, 24, 25 with McDavid already being, and Drysaddle already being 23, 24, 25. Uh, Bob, and that's why, why is nobody saying, hey, go after Sergachev? I'd way rather give up a 2021st Bouchard or a prospect for Sergachev. Tampa Bay can't afford all of their RFAs. That one comes to us from Benny. Uh, Sergachev, that's an interesting, uh, of course, many of you know that was Pete Chiarelli's guy in the 2016 NHL draft, and then Paul Yarvey fell to the Oilers at four. Brendan, what do you got? <laughs> I, I'm very intrigued by a lot of what I'm seeing on here. It's kind of tough to pick uh, because as we've been covering so much. Uh, the Oilers GM says he's got a feeling that OEL's going to Boston. Would love to have him here, but not at the expense of First and Bouchard. With Crew going to free agency, Char retiring after next year, it makes too much sense. Also think DeBrusque will be part of the package going the other way. So uh, Jake DeBrusque, to me, Western Conference player for sure, uh, which makes him pretty valuable to an Eastern Conference club as well as far as being that hammer in the playoffs, right? But uh, I don't know. Boston, there's the fit. I don't think they should be willing to give up a first and Bouchard for anything on the market right now. Put it that way. Okay. This text comes in, Bob. We're on the OEL's uh, NMC. That Again, this, this text are referencing the Darren Dreger treat. Might dodge another one. Shades of Vanek, Heatley, and Nylander. Uh, well, the Oilers thought they had a commitment on Nylander, and, that, and uh, I was one of the guys... I mean, Edmonton thought Nylander was done so much to the point that they actually had people comment on it about the ability to attract guys. This was in the spring of 07. The Danny Heatley situation occurred going into the 2009 NHL draft. At no point did I ever hear that Heatley's camp had committed to Edmonton in a trade, and I can one hundred percent guarantee you that there were individuals to the highest level of the organization saying the Oilers would be better off spending three million a year on drafting and development than seven million a year on one Danny Heatley at that time. Former defenseman Mark text the show. Bob and Brendan. I've got all day for Tyson Berry on a one-year and at most on a two-year deal. A one-year I do all day. If I was the Oilers, I, uh, if the Oilers were to go after OEL, the Coyotes would have to retain $4 million of his cap. Obviously, that's where it would end. OEL would work out great. Uh, Edmonton, however, would need to be... Uh, uh, given... Uh, what's, he, what's he saying here? OEL would work out great in Edmonton. However, what would need to be given up uh, to get him in his contract could theoretically be all wrong for the Oilers. Uh, just like the Hall trade, I wouldn't do it from former defenseman Mark. Mark adds, I disagree with the texter I'm on KDK. He thinks the Oilers, says former defenseman Mark, has a leader on defense in Darnell Nurse. Again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. Uh, Brendan? 
You're, you got the next call here. Yeah, Mark is, and I don't think we've gotten to this yet. Why don't we chase UFAs, Tyson Berry, and TJ Brody is another name. He says Brody's, Brody's metrics very good. That's a, a line we pay no assets to sign. Yeah, well, and that's part of the argument, right, is, uh, is Edmonton – I think there's some guys that have spent time in Western Canada in their lives that would have time for Edmonton, Okay. Just take it for what it's worth. That's one man's opinion. This texter, WGC, on our Ashley Fine Floors text line, says, Longtime listener, keep up the good work regarding RNH. He's the closest person who plays like Pavel Datsuk, therefore pay him seven million times eight years. Good bargain. Hmm. I wonder if that's the price point that gets it done between you and me. Does seven million at eight years get it done for RNH? Again, if if you spent fifteen seconds around the Oilers, um, and you're privileged to be in a role like Jack's or mine or Tony Brar's or Gene Principe, you'd have a lot of time for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Just a real good guy. We'll go to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, and when we come back, Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack. You're listening to Oilers now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.